0: On this video, we want to continue with our studies from the book of Hebrews, a great and wonderful book in our New Testament, a rich book that has so many wonderful lessons that are designed to motivate Christians to remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, in these videos, we are keeping in line with our normal Bible class schedule that we have at the Mona Vista Church of Christ. We are thankful for those who are tuning in from around the country and around the globe. Thank you so much for studying with us from the Word of God. We have been making these videos available because uh, we are living during a time of pandemic in our country. And so since we are unable to assemble together for our Bible classes at this time, we are still trying to study the Word of God together we're trying to use the technology God has blessed us with to continue to get the gospel out and to continue to stay encouraged in the scriptures. I want to remind all of you that we do have outlines available for every class uh, that, we, that we are doing. Those outline, outlines are made available uh, on our website and on our Facebook page, so please make sure you, you get a copy of the outline. Before we dive into our study, I just want to say a brief prayer and ask for God's blessing. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for another uh, opportunity, Father, to study and to to grow together, Father, as your people. We pray, Father, that you continue to bless our country. We pray, Father, that you continue to, to be with those who may be grieving at this time because they've lost loved ones or those who are sick at this time, Father. We pray that soon this, this pandemic will be behind us and we can start uh, meeting together as local churches again. We pray for elders around the country and gospel preachers, Father, deacons, all of those who are serving you, Father, your people. We pray that you will bless us and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we dive into Hebrews, the fourth chapter, uh, let's just quickly review what we talked about in chapter three. Remember the theme for the book of Hebrews, and I want to continually remind us of this because it's very important. The theme for the book of Hebrews is the superiority of Jesus Christ. The theme for the book of Hebrews is the emphasis that Jesus is better than anything that is found under the Old Testament law of Moses. Jesus is superior to anything that is found under the Old Covenant. He is a superior spokesman. He is superior to the Old Testament prophets. He is superior to angels, those that the Hebrew writer said gave the law at Mount Sinai. He is superior to Moses, the great deliverer and lawgiver of God's people under the Old Covenant. So far, we've learned that Jesus is superior to the prophets. He's superior to the angels, and he's even superior to Moses. And the point of all of that is don't leave Jesus. Don't leave the superior for the inferior. Don't leave Jesus. Don't leave his church. Don't leave his covenant because everything that is found in Jesus is superior in every way. And so that's the theme of Hebrews. And in chapter 3, in talking about how Jesus is superior to Moses, he makes a couple of important points. In verses 1 through 6, he talks about how Moses was a faithful servant in the house of God. But Jesus is over the house of God. Jesus wasn't just a faithful servant in the house of God or in the family of God but he's a faithful son in the family of God. He also makes the point that Moses had glory, but Jesus had even more glory. Jesus has even more glory than Moses because he is God's son. He's the creator. He's the one who has been exalted to the right hand of God. And so the point of chapter 3 is that Jesus is more superior to Moses, and don't leave Jesus. Jesus. Learn from the mistakes of the children of Israel. Learn from the mistakes of those who were part of the household of Moses, those who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they lacked in their faith and they rebelled against God and they did not enter into their rest in the land of Canaan. Don't be like the household of God under the Old Testament. Stick with Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Don't rebel against God. Don't lack in faith with God. That's the point of chapter 3. Israel missed the rest in the land of Canaan. And we got to make sure we don't miss our rest. In fact, this topic of rest, this topic of rest, is really the, really the big thing under consideration in chapter 4. And so let's read the first 11 verses of Hebrews chapter 4. And remember, chapter 3 concluded by speaking of that generation of Moses' day who rebelled against God, they had unbelieving hearts, and they missed the rest in the land of Canaan. That generation was not able to enter into the promised land. And so in chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have entered, we who have believed entered that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they should not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, therefore, since it remains for some to enter, to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day, Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just has been said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. That is a very, very powerful text there in Hebrews chapter 4, and so let's try to break down what's being said in those verses. I want you to notice, dear friends, how in, in this section, the whole point of this sec- section is to talk about how there remains a, a rest, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God to enter into. In verse number one, we find the promise of rest. Again, in verse one, he says, Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains, notice, a promise remains of entering his rest. Notice there is a promise God has made to his people under the new covenant that they will enter his rest. Just like the people of God under the old covenant, just like the Israelites that were led out of Egypt were promised rest in the land of Canaan, God has also promised rest to us. God has also promised rest to Christians, to members of the Lord's church, and the rest that God has promised us is not a physical rest on a physical piece of land. It's not the same kind of rest that he promised the people of Israel under the Old Testament law. Instead, the rest God has promised us as Christians is a spiritual rest. It is a spiritual rest. On a spiritual or in a spiritual land. That's the point the Hebrew writer is going to continue to make as we continue to study this chapter. But this chapter begins by talking about how there is a rest that remains for the people of God. And if we're going to enter into that rest, then we have to avoid being like Israel under the old covenant. We have to avoid disobeying God and rebelling against God and hardening our hearts against the word of God. Otherwise, we will miss this rest God has promised us, just like Israel, under the old law, missed the rest God promised them. And so, in verse number one, the scripture says that there's a rest. God has promised rest to his people. There's a rest that remains for the people of God, and we need to fear. We need to fear God. We need to fear following in the footsteps of Israel in the Old Testament and missing our rest. In fact, in verse number 2, the Hebrew writer goes on to explain further why Israel under the Old Covenant or in the Old Testament missed their rest. If you look at verse number two very carefully, he says that just like we as Christians have had God's word preached to us, just like we had good news preached to us, the people of Israel in the time of Moses, they also had good news preached to them. They also had the word of God preached to them, but unfortunately, they didn't believe the word of God. Unfortunately, they lacked in their, their, their faith. They, did, they, they heard the word of God, but they did not accompany their hearing of the word of God with faith. They didn't have faith. And that's why they missed the rest. Someone says, what did, it, what did they not have faith about? Well, particularly, and I think what the Hebrew writer is emphasizing, is they did not have faith when it came to God saying that he would be with them and help them conquer every one of their enemies. God promised them that if they trusted him and obeyed him and did what he said, that he would help them conquer all of the Canaanites. He would bless them. He would help them receive every part of the land of Canaan, every part of that land that was promised to them. God said, I will give you this land if you trust me and do what I say. That's what God spoke to the people through Moses, and they did not believe that. If you remember, after sending out the 12 spies for 40 days, when the 12 spies returned, they reported to the people of Israel that the land of Canaan, that land that God promised them, it was a great land flowing with milk and honey. They acknowledged that it was a wonderful land. It was a blessed land, but 10 of those spies said we can't take this land, we're we're not strong enough, we're weak and feeble compared to the Canaanites. They, They were fearful and they instilled that fear and the rest of Israel, the only two people who believed in the promises of God were Joshua and Caleb and they actually were able to enter into the land of Canaan. They were the only two people from that generation that entered into Canaan and it was because they believed in the word of God. But that generation of Moses' day, they believed the report of the ten spies. They did not trust God. They did not believe in God's word. And because they disobeyed and had disbelief and a lack of faith, God made sure that that generation wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and they did not enter into their rest. The Hebrew writer says the reason why that generation of Moses' day did not enter into the promised land Because they did not have faith in God's word. They did not have faith in the promises of God. And his point is, we need to learn from their mistake. We need to understand that if we are going to enter into the rest God has promised us, then we must not only hear the word of God, but we must believe the word of God. We must have faith in the word of God. We must act on the word of God by doing exactly what God has told us to do. The Hebrew writer says that Israel missed their rest because of a lack of faith. They rebelled against God. They hardened their hearts against God. And we need to learn from their mistake. In verse number three, he makes the point that only those who believe and obey God enter his rest. Only those who believe and obey God enter his rest. That's why Joshua entered God's rest in the Old Testament. That's why Caleb entered God's rest in the Old Testament. That's why Israel did not enter God's rest in the Old Testament. It all boils down to whether or not we're going to believe and obey God. Only those who believe and obey the Lord's word enter into his rest. That's the point of the first three Verses. Now, let's move on to verses 4 through 11, because those verses can be somewhat confusing because they mention rest quite a bit, and the word rest that is used in verses 4 through 11 is actually being used in a number of different ways. It's not being used to talk about the same thing. In fact, there are at least three different rests, three different rests that the Hebrew writer is mentioning or speaking of in those verses. In verse number 4, look at verse number 4. In Hebrews 4 and verse 4, the first rest that he mentions there is the Sabbath day's rest. The Sabbath day's rest. If you remember in the creation account given in Genesis, in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, we learn that God created the world and everything in it, In six literal days. In six literal days, God created the world and everything that is is in it. But on the seventh day, what did he do? On the seventh day, the Bible says God rested. He ceased from creating anything else. He rested. Now, just like God rested on the seventh day, Later on, when you get to the story of Abraham and the descendants of Abraham, that would be the Israelites, God told them that in the same way, he wanted them to also rest on the seventh day. The seventh day, God said on the seventh day, God told his people Israel in the Old Testament, I don't want you to do any work. I want you to cease from all your labors. I want you to to fully rest. On that day. That's what God told his people under the Old Covenant. And the seventh day is Saturday. It's not Sunday. Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. Sunday is the first day of the week. Someone says, no, I thought Monday was the first day of the week. No, my friend, Monday is the first day of the work week. But the first day of our calendar week is Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. Sundays, when Christians in the New Testament partook of the Lord's Supper and came together to worship God, but Saturday is the seventh day. Saturday is the Sabbath day. Under the old covenant, on Saturday, on the seventh day of the week, God says, I don't want you to do any work. That was a commandment found under the Old Testament law, and we need to understand that when God gave that law, and that was part of the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath day is a very generic law. If you study your Old Testament very carefully, you'll see that when it came to the Sabbath day law, when it came to God saying don't work, that there were really no specifics given in that law. Now, later on, In the time of Jesus and a little before Jesus, you had religious groups like the Pharisees come along and they tried to come up with all these different rules, all these different traditions. These traditions like you can't travel one mile outside where you live or you can't tie a loop so many times or that's considered work. The Pharisees came up with all these different traditions into what constituted work and what did not constitute work. And that was fine if they wanted to come up with those things. But the problem with the Pharisees is they binded those man-made traditions as though they were God's law. And God never said anything like those things in the Old Testament. The Sabbath day law was a very generic law. And groups like the Pharisees, men like the Pharisees, came up with all these different rules and traditions as to what they thought constituted work. I think you see a great example of this when you study Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28, there we read about a time when Jesus, Jesus was walking through a grain field with his disciples. As they're walking through a grain field, the disciples start plucking the heads of grain And they start rubbing it in their hands and they and they eat. They eat what was provided in the grain field. And when the religious leaders saw them doing this, when groups like the Pharisees saw them doing this, they said, Oh, look at those men. They're violating the Sabbath. They're they're doing work on the Sabbath. You see, according to their tradition, people who did what the apostles were doing, they were working. They viewed that as work, but Jesus put them in their place in that section by doing a couple of things. First, he brings up David, King David. And he talks about a time in David's life when David ate showbread. When he was running from King Saul, he ate some bread that was not lawful for anyone to eat besides the priests. David ate some bread that was not lawful for anyone to eat besides the priest. And Jesus' point there, when you read that section carefully, is he is exposing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He is saying that you're willing to condemn me and my apostles for doing something that is lawful, but you won't condemn David, who they viewed as this big Mount Rushmore hero. You won't condemn David for doing something that was unlawful. They were hypocrites. Jesus says David did something unlawful. He did something that was sinful. You won't condemn him for that, but you're condemning us for doing something that is totally lawful. It's not a sin to eat on the Sabbath day. And then they bring his point home even further. He makes the point that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. You know what Jesus is saying there? His point is, I created the Sabbath day. I think I know the rules for it. You're trying to tell me the rules for something that I created, Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that what we are doing is lawful. There's nothing wrong with it. And I think I should be able to to point that out because I'm the one who made it in the first place. And so Jesus is not teaching situational ethics in Mark chapter 2. Instead, he's exposing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, and he's making the point that it was not a sin for a man to eat on that day. The point of the Sabbath day was for men to think about God, get closer to God, focus on God, but it was a very generic law. It was a day of rest for God's people under the old covenant. And so that's the first day of rest that is mentioned there, but it's not the only rest that is mentioned in Hebrews 4. When you go back to Hebrews 4 and look at verse number 5, a second rest that is mentioned in that text is Israel's rest. Particularly Israel's rest in the land of Canaan, the rest in the promised land, the rest in that land that flowed with milk and honey. Remember, they did not enter into that rest because of unbelief and disobedience. And so in verse 4, he mentions the Sabbath day rest. In verse number 5, he mentions Israel's rest that they missed. At least the generation of Moses, they missed that rest in Canaan. And then the third rest that is mentioned in Hebrews 4 is the rest that remains for the people of God. The rest that remains for me And you, in verse number one, notice again, he says a promise of rest remains. In verse number nine, he says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. What is that rest, my dear friends? Well, I want to suggest to you that the rest that remains for the people of God is heaven. Heaven is the rest that remains for God's people. In Revelation 14 and verse 13, the Bible says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord because from now on they get to rest, rest from their labors. Heaven is the rest that awaits us as Christians. It's not the Sabbath day's rest the rest that remains for us is not the seventh day of the week rest in fact as christians we're not under even under obligation of that old law which included the ten commandments we're not under that old law that was given through moses at mount sinai god's not rewarding us with the sabbath day's rest he's not rewarding rewarding us or requiring us to keep that part of that old covenant, that Sabbath day law that was part of the old covenant. In fact, the apostle Paul makes that point very clear in Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2 in verse 14, Paul says that after or because we have been forgiven of our transgressions through the blood of Jesus, verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. There, Paul is talking about the Old Testament law of Moses. When Jesus died, that law was done away with. It was nailed to the cross. Verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, because of this, No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What is Paul's point? Paul's point is, as Christians, we're not under obligation to keep the Old Testament law. We're not under obligation to keep the Sabbath day law that was given to Israel under the Old Testament. In fact, that's one of the main points of the book of Hebrews. The whole point of Hebrews is to tell these Christians that you don't go back to living under the old law because what you have in Jesus and his covenant is far much better. The Bible is consistent on this point. And so the old covenant has been done away with. And that means that our rest that remains is not the Sabbath day's rest. As Christians, it is not a sin for us to work on Saturday. That was given to the people of Israel under the Old Testament. Our rest is not the Sabbath day, and neither is our rest the physical land of Canaan. Our rest is not that little piece of physical land, that connects three continents today. It's not that little piece of land that connects Africa to Europe and Asia. Modern Palestine is not our rest, and thank God for that, because that that little piece of land has has all kinds of problems. It has all kinds of turmoil. Every single day, there's continually religious wars that take place. On that land, there is no peace in Palestine, and thank God that that's not the rest that remains for us as Christians. That land has all kind of problems, and it's going to have problems till the Lord comes back. Our rest is not the Sabbath day's rest. It's not the physical land of Canaan. Instead, our rest is heaven. Heaven is our rest. You see, rest in heaven doesn't just last one day like the Sabbath day's rest lasted one day a week for the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Rest in heaven is not located on on some physical piece of land. It's not a situation where we got to worry about heathen nations being thorns in our side Like the people of Israel, once they finally conquered the land of Canaan, they still had no peace. They had to worry about the heathen nations around them continually being a thorn in their side. They had to worry about the Philistines and the Moabites and the Ammonites and so many others. They never had true peace as they dwelt on Canaan. You see, heaven is true rest. Heaven is true rest for the people of God in heaven. We're not going to have to worry about thorns. We're not going to have to worry about heathen people being a thorn in our side. Heaven is is the rest that remains for us as the people of God. And so a couple of important observations I want to make from this, and then we're going to move on to the next section. First, I think one of the main points that the Hebrew writer is trying to emphasize here to keep with his theme of Christ being superior is he's really trying to emphasize how Christ is not just superior to the prophets, And he's not just superior to angels, and he's not just superior to Moses, but he's also superior to Joshua. Joshua was a great leader of God's people. Joshua actually led a faithful generation of Israelites into finally conquering the promised land, but Jesus is even more superior than Joshua. In fact, in verses 8 and 9, notice how the Hebrew writer says, He says, for if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. Notice how even though Joshua led the people of Israel into finally conquering the promised land, they still did not have true rest. They still had to deal with the heathen nations around them continually. Joshua did not lead Israel into receiving true rest, but Jesus does. When we follow Jesus, we can enter into heaven Well, we receive true rest from God. And so Jesus is even superior to Joshua. When we follow Jesus, we can receive real spiritual rest and we got to be diligent to enter that rest. We have to be faithful. We have to listen carefully to the words of Jesus, trust him, believe in him. We have to remember that Israel in the days of Moses missed their rest because they didn't trust God, and we'll also miss our rest if we don't trust God. And so Jesus, the point of this is Jesus, following Jesus is better because when you follow him, you're going to receive rest in heaven. But then one more section, and we're going to close. Verses 12 through 16. After saying that we need to be diligent to enter our rest and we need to learn from the disobedience of Israel. In verse 12, he says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as to the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, and yet without without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, I'm going to go through this section very quickly, and then that's going to be our our video. This is going to, I'm going to give you in this section the, the big picture of what's going on here. A few key observations. First, in order to really appreciate this unit here and to see the connection that the Hebrew writer is making, It's important that we don't forget what he said in verse 11. Again, verse 11, we got to be diligent to enter into God's rest. We need to learn from the disobedience and the disbelief of Israel in the days of Moses. In verse 11, the Hebrew writer is talking about the main reason why Israel missed their rest. The main reason why they missed their rest is because they did not believe the word of God. They did not have faith in the Word of God. The Word of God is under consideration in verse 11 and it's also under consideration in verse 12. After telling us that we don't need to be like Israel and lack faith in the Word of God, in verse 12, the Hebrew writer talks about the Word of God. He says, The Word of God is powerful, it is sharp, it is able to cut us right to our souls, it is able to convict our hearts. It is able to judge our souls. It is something that lays us bare. It shows us who we really are in the eyes of God. It exposes our sins. It exposes anything that we're doing that's contrary to the holiness of God. It humbles us before God. The Hebrew writer is saying that the word of God is powerful, it's sharp, it is convicting. It can change our lives if we allow it to change our lives. In verse 12, the Hebrew writer talks about the word of God that Israel rejected. And then in verse 13, he talks about God, the one true God that Israel rejected. He says that when it comes to God, there's nothing that God doesn't know. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows everything about us. You may be around people constantly and and maybe the people you associate with don't know everything about you, don't know every secret part of your life. That may be true concerning the people you you associate with, but that's not true with God, my friend. God knows everything about you, and he knows everything about me. He knows everything we've done in our lives, everything we're doing, everything we're going to do. He knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. There is nothing we do in our lives that we can hide from the living God. He talks about God in verse 13. And then in verses 14 through 16, He revisits a recurring theme in this book, and I really think the the, the chapter break is in the wrong part here. I think the chapter break should be really at the end of verse 13 because in verse 14, he's returning back to a recurring theme in this book, and that is Jesus is our high priest. This is a big part of the book of Hebrews, talking about how these, these Hebrew Christians did not need to leave Jesus and go back to being under the old law and the Old Testament priesthood because the priesthood of Jesus is far superior. The point of this particular section, and this section is going to start in verse 14, and it's really going to continue throughout chapter 5. But the point of this section is not only is Jesus superior to the prophets, and not only is he superior to angels and Moses and Joshua, but he's also superior to Aaron. He's a more superior high priest than Aaron. Aaron was a great high priest, but Jesus is far better. Jesus is superior even to Aaron. Now that's going to be what this section is about. In fact, in verses 14 through 16, we see some reasons why Jesus is superior to Aaron as a high priest. Through Jesus, we can... We can actually have true access to God, a close relationship with God. He says that unlike Aaron, in verse 14, Jesus is a high priest who's actually passed through the heavens. Verse 15, Jesus, a high priest that can truly sympathize with our weaknesses because he lived as God and man. And he went through and experienced everything that we experience. He was tempted in all things, and yet he did not sin. That can't be said of Aaron. Because of Jesus, verse verse 16, we can draw near to God with confidence. We can draw near to God with confidence. We can receive true mercy and grace and help in our time of need. His whole point in that section is Jesus is a far better, better high priest than Aaron. And we'll talk about that more in detail in our next video. We'll save the details for the priesthood of Jesus for the next video because we really got to connect those three verses of Hebrews 4 with what you find in chapter 5. It's, a, it's not right to disconnect those verses from what you find in chapter 5 because they're all talking about the same thing. But for now, just take this home with you. Take home how there's a rest that remains for us as Christians. Because of Jesus, we're on a path to receive true rest in heaven. But we got to be diligent to enter that rest. We got to learn from Israel in the Old Testament. And we got to trust God, believe in God, keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And if we do that, we'll enter into our rest. We'll receive the blessing that God has waiting for us. And so thank you for watching this video. May God continue to bless you. I hope you'll tune in for the next video in which we'll talk about Hebrews 5 and the priesthood of Jesus.